We are in the last week of the Tour de France, everybody. We've got two rest days down, two COVID-19 official tests done, 16 stages, and now the Alps. Coming up on today's show, stage 16, some reactions and results. COVID-19, like I said, testing round two, no positives in the books. Um, so maybe riding outside in a group is not as bad as you think. We'll talk about that a little bit. Bernal goes pop, and it's okay to make excuses, Egon. We're, we're okay with that. The Giro Rosa, it's in full swing. Do you have time to watch it? Some things can make you go, hmm, the ride of the day. And Sagan takes on the motto, what would Lance do? He's hawking, uh, he's hawking his wares. It's Tuesday, September 15, 2020, and this is the Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 198. I'm Tyler Yonke. Thank you for joining today. Uh, stage 16, a barn burner? Eh, maybe not so much. Was it a bora day? Horrible dad jokes. Do we, we, we have some, uh, yay, we'll have some clapping along with that one, or maybe... Maybe not. Uh, look, stage 16, um, La Tour de Pin to Villard-de-Lens. You just kind of say it with, you don't enunciate anything, and that's how I think you speak French. 164 kilometers. It's a mountain day. Cat 4, Cat 2, Cat 2, Cat 1, and Cat 3. Last, uh, the last Cat 3 summits kind of off of the 1. And so we'll get there. I thought I'd do a little bit of what Jonathan uh, Scriven had said about the um, stage 16. And, and here's yeah, so what we then have. we have a rest day, then a uh, second yep. rest day, and then we have stage 16. Yeah, so now we get to to sort of those traditional Alp stages right. that, that people know. So we start in La Tour de Pin, we, f- we finish in Villard de Lens. Uh, and this is sort of the, um, it's the Grenoble area. This is the area, if you have viewers who are old enough to remember the 68 Olympics, this is where um, many of the ski area, ski activities were held. Uh, on the last climb, I think I have here, it's the Monte de Saint-Nizier de Moucherotte. This is where I, I did look that up. This is where the ski jumping was done in 68. So this is um, very typical French Alpine. Okay. What that typically means is, um, again, quite a bit cooler, quite a bit higher, although not as high as coming up in a, in a couple of stages, but sort of a very typical Alpine stage where you have steep ups and more than that, super steep downs. <laughs> and those can be very tricky. And again, we're talking about September. So, right. You know, you get a little bit of moisture and cool temperatures. Those can be treacherous. Um, so, okay. So it wasn't treacherous today because it had good weather, but uh, that's kind of a description of what we had in store for today's stage. And I thought I'd just also um, talk a little bit here about kind of the history of Vlaudrant, which is an interesting thing. Uh, and we'll kind of recap back from uh, 1987. Uh, the Tour de France in 87, you had... Um, Jean-Francois Bernard, he had the French hope. He was called the next um, Bernardino. He wins atop Mont Ventoux, the time trial, individual time trial of Mont Ventoux. Pretty excruciating. He wins, takes the yellow jersey. The next day they come with the Velo de Lons uh, here, and you have Pedro Delgado and Stephen Roach um, really close to the GC. They attack in a feed zone. And um, they distance Jean-Francois Bernard because he was getting a feed. And then just as he's catching back up, he Frenchman, he um, he has a flat and he has all kinds of trouble. Well, they end up attacking off here. As you can see, uh, Stephen Roach actually wore what they don't have anymore. It's called the combination jersey. It's a combo of all the, the, the groups. And it was one they don't have that anymore, but um, kind of a catch all jersey for the, the usually kind of the person on second GC would end up uh, having that. Greg LeMond worn it. Anyway, they come into Valderon here and um, Pedro Delgado ends up with the win, the stage win, while Stephen Roach ends up. Uh, second place, but end up getting uh, the overall 
on the GC and taking the yellow jersey, um, and then he ended up winning the 87 Tour. What's kind of interesting about that, that's where they're finishing today, and we had Nicholas Roach in the, the mix today, up in a break. I uh, just thought that was some interesting um, take on that the stage there. Uh, the breakaway today got a huge lead, about 20-some, 20 23 riders or so. There's uh, three Sunwebs in there, two I think two Bora, three Ineos riders, so they're obviously throwing in the towel on the Bernal situation. We'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, Sivakov, Carapaz, and Amadora in there. EF had Palace, or they had Betty All, and then Palace ends up bridging up there. Julian Alaphilippe's up there. Pierre Roland is up there. Uh, Leonard Kamna for Bora. They had uh, Daniel Oss, which was pulling on the front for Rich uh, Reichenbach. <clears throat> uh, Pierre Roland ends up taking some KOM points on the threes coming in there. Uh, he's virtually uh, on time. He is tied with... Kosnafoy, who needs to get out of that jersey. We need a, a guy that could actually go uphill. But Pierre Verlon does not end up taking it uh, because he ends up tied with him on the day. He doesn't get up the, up the front for the Cat 1 and the Cat 3 finishing for to get any points. Therefore, he's tied on on points, and it's a count back. So Kosnafoy will be wearing that again tomorrow. And hopefully um, he'll get expelled from the jersey uh, soon. And I don't say hopefully because um, – I like that jersey, and I'd like to see uh, an actual climber in it, and he gets dispatched about as soon as Sam Bennett does. <clears throat> Speaking of sprint points, you had Mateo Trenton getting in the break today. Uh, he ends up, uh, I think, a few points at the finish. He ends up getting a sprint at the intermediate, kind of nullifies the other two, and he's creeping up. He's been an annoying factor for uh, Sagan here in these intermediate sprints. Being able to take, and like I mentioned before, I think it was a 2016 Vuelta, 2016 or 17 Vuelta, he uh, took three stages, and some of those were over some climbs, so he's able to get up and over uh, as he need be in the break. Um, you had Pierre Roland, like I said, taking some points, uh, but on the Cat 1, you had Kamna, Carapaz, Reichenbach, uh, Julian out of Fleep. They, they, Pacher was uh, up the road, which was uh, Pierre Roland's uh, teammate. He took off on the early slopes. He thought maybe they were doing some team tactic stuff. But you never saw Roland again. So uh, Kamna, Carapaz, Reichenbach, Julian Alaphilippe all haul him in. Then Carapaz kind of takes off. Julian Alaphilippe chases it in. And as soon as he catches Carapaz, he just explodes. Not not, not good. He looked like maybe it was a, the way he, he, he comes off of the group. Oftentimes, it's almost as if something happens to his bike. And he's just kind of like a leg shrapnel everywhere. Um, behind, they had like 10, 15 minutes uh, on the group. And um, as, as the leaders were hitting the bottom of the, the Cat 1 slope, Wild, of course, and the whole jumbo team's there. And Guillaume Martin on the Cat 1 takes off. And you're like, oh, interesting. He had a teammate with him. Uh, but that was soon reeled back in. And then he's chilling. Bernal gets popped off of the back, uh, stretching his legs, doing some other things. Didn't even look like he was going to really try. So... Some speculation is, is he doing this so that he can um, just have a shot at tomorrow, have enough time on the leaders where they're not going to be chasing him down? Perhaps that's the case. Uh, what I actually expect is that he's just not doing well. He either overtrained or he is just dead. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So the Peloton... Well, actually, as it is, 20K out, uh, Kamna, and it's just Kamna then, and Carapaz, they come over the Cat 1 climb, and Carapaz has been leading it. Kamna comes to the front, and he puts on a little turn of speed, and you're like, okay, well, I don't know if he's going for the points. But he ends up distancing himself 
uh, Takara Paz going over the top and then just really distanced himself going down the hill, starting up in the, the final. He, he solos across the valley. He starts going up across on the Cat 3, the last 2, 3K there, and he has like a minute and a half. Easily solos in. He's like, what, 24 or so? Uh, you never saw EF. Uh, Nilsson was in that group. Nilsson Palace and Bediel. They didn't do much. Um, Nilsson ended up drifting all the way back and getting caught by the uh, lead peloton coming into the finish. So he had he'd had a day, maybe worked too hard. I mean, look, it's a uh, third week of a grand tour, the Tour de France, no less, his first Tour de France, and he's been very, very active. So good to see him not uh, crawling at the back, but um, doing what he can to be up there. As it was, like I said, Matteo Trenton got a little bit of time. Uh, Camden ends up soloing in. The Peloton, the last two kilometers, they tried to make it a little bit exciting. While Van Ert gets on the front. Oh, a little earlier than that, you saw um, a little cross of wheels with Sepkus and his leader, um, Roglic. And Roglic kind of just clipped it, clipped his wheel. They're going up the climb, so it wasn't too bad. And he was able to take his foot out, gets right back in. So Sep doing his best to take riders out, including his own teammate. Uh, remember last year in the Vuelta, the uh, Jumbo Visma, you had the team time trial and there was some wet water on the front, uh, wet water. There was water on the time trial, on the team time trial. And uh, there was some blame going around that maybe Nilsson Palace caused a big Jumbo Visma wreck and caused Roglic to go down. Remember that? That was, that's a really good point, Tyler. Thank you. But remember that, that um, two teams lost a bunch of time that day. Uh, Jumbo Visma and UAE, Okay. Those two, I think, ended up number one, well, obviously first in the Vuelta, and number two, which was Roglic, uh, Pogacar. So, you know, people talk about him him being either one of these guys fading. They came from a behind and had to make up like a minute and a half, two minutes. So solid work on them. And obviously we saw what, what happened to them in the, in the, in the Vuelta last year. Um, anyway, coming in last two kilometers, Waltz on the front. Uh, Sep kind of takes over. He's he's milling around there. He never really has to. Uh, one and a half kilometers out, Pogacar kind of takes off and dispatches um, kind of the the lead Enios team. Um, makes his move. Roglic easily follows all the GC riders. You got the same ones with about 20, 15 in there. Uh, Nairo gets a distance. Typical 15 to 20 riders. Well, then comes back to the front at uh, one and a half Ks. Uh, up to about 400 meters left. Then Pogacar takes another dig. And then Valverde, I'm sorry, uh, Lopez at 300 takes a huge dig, actually gets a gap on everybody. Look, he's coming into this at fourth at 145. So he's 11 seconds off of Ran in third place. And in the end, he has a gap and looking like he might get a little time gap. But uh, in the end, um, Pogacar, Roglic, Port, Ran, all of them come in with the same time. So no finishes, no changes for the lead groups coming into the uh, stage 16 of the tour today. Um, not too bad. Not too bad for what we had for excitement, eh, was it? I don't know. It was okay. It wasn't the most exciting day that we've ever had, obviously. But maybe we'll go to the results here and just break down who and where everyone is and see if we can actually just kind of kind of if there's any big changes we need to uh, talk about and then what we obviously have coming up for the next day so Veladolon we have uh, Leonard Kamna comes in first place Carapaz second 127 Reichenbach 156 Sivakov so you had Ineos at least getting up there with uh, two in the top five Ineos at 230 uh, Sivakov Geshka Bern uh, Warren Baggi Tush Benut Nicholas, Port Nicholas uh, Roach Coming in eighth place. It would have been cool to see him getting a win. And the same, like I mentioned, the same place his father took the yellow jersey in 87. By the way, side note on the yellow jersey in 87, uh, Stephen Roach, he won the, the Giro that year. 
he won the Tour de France that year, and he won the World Championships that year. Think about that. It's pretty solid. Um, as far as the big guys go, Roland gets, uh, I'm sorry, um, Mateo Trenton gets 14th. So I think he got some uh, sprint points because I think that goes down to 15th. And then here's the the ones, Lopez, Pogacar, Roglic, Port, Landon Moss, Yates, Iran, Valverde, Guillaume-Martin, uh, all coming in to, from 20th to 28th, no time lost. Tom Dumoulin loses, oh, he loses uh, just a few seconds off of that group. They're at 16 and a half minutes off of the stage winner. So they obviously just kind of mailed that in. Uh, Dan Martinez, Wout, Sepp, uh, all the same. Nairo, like I said, he lost uh, some time. Mark Soler, um, Anik Moss should have been up here. Yeah, he's up there in the mix. So, uh, And let's see if we can do Nilsson Palace. See if we can go all the way down and see how much time, if we're able and able to, to um, Bernal. Hey, TJ Van Garden, 117th place. We don't really hear much about him. Uh, as far as GC goes, no changes in the top there. Top 10, uh, all the same. Uh, Nairo loses a little bit. Actually, Tom Dumoulin and Nairo uh, switch places from 9th and 10th. So we expect probably more of that in the future. Uh, the green jersey tightened up a little bit, 269 to 224 for Bennett and Sagan. No change there, but Mateo Trenton moves up 212. Um, I think he had been around 100-something, so he moved in, you know, uh, took, it, took it into the 200s. He's closed down to, you know, just 12 points to Sagan and um, still, got, still got an open there. And Caleb Ewing, I don't think he's really trying that out. Youth, well, there's really not much to do. Uh, there you go, Egon Bernal, 18 minutes behind Pogacar. So he lost good 18 minutes out of that group today. He's, he's mailed that in. And yeah, he's still third place for the young rider <laughs> jersey. Um, as we mentioned, Pierre Rolam moves four places up to second place today. Pogacar down, a bunch of these guys down a spot. Leonard Kamna moves up to seventh place, 27 seconds. He might be a, a challenge here. And Kostinafoy, 36 points. Team GC, movie star over Enios, 35 minutes. They're probably going to just be able to sail that one in because I don't think EF with Higuita out is really going to be able to do much. And uh, Martinez, I don't know, maybe he's just waiting in the wind, waiting in the wings to see what he can do. Uh, Martinez, that is. Okay, so uh, that's what we have for the stage 16, and we'll talk a little bit coming up about stage 17 and give you some facts on that. How about the COVID-19 testing part two? Part two, I guess we should uh, actually call it. Uh, at this point, um, the conception maybe of riding outside. It, look, they're saying, to we don't know. We're still learning all about the transmission of the, the COVID-19, but there's no been no positive tests for riders during the race. Um, CCC just had to pull one of the riders out of Trenner, out of Co. Okay, that's good. Um, well, not good, but I mean, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But um, for all the little hot spots coming around in France, it doesn't appear that uh, the tour has really been too much affected. Like I said before, there were three teams that had a staff member. Um, Ineos has since been retested and declared a false positive. Uh, I heard that report. I'm not seeing it in any of the listings. They keep talking about the four teams. So, I heard that from Johan Brunil was who reported that. So he might have a little bit better uh, direct news source over there than, than some of this. But you'd think the, the writing of the, of the news would be a little bit to correct that. Christian Prudhomme, he's back at the Tour de France. He was quarantined for seven days and now back. Still bubbled outside the riders and staff, however. Um, look, the Tour, this was interesting. So maybe, maybe our concept of group riding isn't, um, as far as the, the COVID goes, uh, it's not quite what you would think. Now, was I think there would have to be one rider in that group that's infected to then try to spread it. And, of course, none of those guys are getting it. Although you're getting a rider, 
you know, testing positive, but he's not like spreading it like trainer out or out He's not spreading it throughout the group there. You're not seeing it, getting it from, you know, people on the side of the road. Uh, there was that lot that report early on from Belgium talking, you know, about wind flow and particles coming into you. And that was immediately though, uh, debunked in many senses, not that it's the, the flow isn't correct, but that was all kind of done in a vacuum. Think of it. If you're, if you're into physics or engineering, that it's kind of like Newtonian physics versus Einstein, where, one thing's in a vacuum and one thing's getting real world experience and, and, and all the aspects and parameters that go into that. You know, there's wind, there's all kinds of things that downdraft that occur as crosswinds. And then there's this moisture. It's not just that it hits you. Is that, is that then making you positive? I, I mean, I think that the, you have to have prolonged existence and, and interaction with a person to be getting this. At least this is my, my take. And, and look, I'm hopeful on this, right? I'm always kind of looking on the positive side about, um, about it and i know there's a lot of people out there that really are kind of invested in the in the dour sim- symptoms of this or the the dourness and they, they kind of i don't know are they are they you have sean bagley and a few of these other guys that we know going uh to georgia and there's a lot of hate about them doing this race um i don't know i'd like to see us kind of get over some of this and and if there's a reality to it and we're not having a spread with uh, group riding maybe we get back to doing some racing um, look, the Tour de France is just a, one big giant laboratory at this point. And so it's kind of exciting to see how that's going. And perhaps we're going to be able to see, you know, a little more normalized racing. The bubble, I still think that's exactly what you're going to do. You want to keep these guys distance from, it's for for their own benefit in a sense to be able to keep doing the racing. So don't have them interact with everybody. Uh, we're seeing some group, some some crowds on the side of the road, but they've also uh, then I think stage six, uh, 15, they really reduced uh, being able to get up on the final climb. So, you know, all those things are happening. Um, or, or, um, which I kind of got the sense from Chris this morning, texting him about it. Uh, maybe the testing isn't done. You know, he's like, what are this? Is it just an oral exam? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you doing okay? Yeah. It's kind of like the, the concussion protocol that they used with uh, Roman Bardet the other day. Hey, you want to ride? Yeah. Okay. Then you get back on your bike. Perhaps that's the case. I, I still don't know if the testing is done by the UCI, um, WADA, the French government, who's doing that? So would these uh, organizations have, you know, incentive to lie? Yeah. Would the French government ever lie to you and have incentive to lie? I think so. I think so. Um, but as of right now, it looks like we're still going ahead. Uh, Bernal got popped the other day and then again today, and he didn't look so good. So, and he's also like, hey, look, I'm, I'm not making any excuses. Uh, my my feeling is it's okay for you to make excuses. We we don't expect this kind of riding from you. Won the tour last year. You're young, but I, I think you came into the the race fit. You know, didn't seem like you. I mean, you were holding on for you were second, third, fourth, whatever, your top five there for quite some time. Uh, I don't think that's such a problem to make excuses. And and, and I understand. But but what are you going to say? I mean, if you think you're you're perfectly fit and this is just something you just TJ yourself out of the front group, no. Uh, I think you're just actually there's a back problem there's uh, which is indicated he's had and you know when you have that there's a twinge in your back and it runs down all the way down your legs and your lower back um, it could be debilitating it can really really do wonders uh, against your ability to, to ride strong so uh, maybe that's the case maybe he overtrained I think you're, you're getting some of that we don't um, we don't necessarily need to put that kind of workload on a super young rider maybe it's catching up to him um, and it's, maybe it's tough to be focused of winning the tour 
and then coming back the next year and, you know, all the accolades, all the time investments, but it seemed like he, he was doing enough writing. So I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily the case, especially with COVID. It should have been easier for him to turn down interviews and all kinds of stuff. You know, he's a big star there in Columbia, but, uh, I think it's, um, look, he's young, seemingly humble. Um, for now it's okay to, to give excuses. The Giro Rosa, it's a women's tour of Italy. You know, I want to go back real quick to the COVID because um, the Giro announced today that they're not going to do this two strikes and you're out. You know, I guess uh, COVID isn't spreading quite the same in Italy as it has been the hot spots in France right now. So he's like, look, we don't want to we don't want to have someone, um, you know, be test positive and treat them like some sort of criminal. We want to protect the riders. We want to protect the health, but we're not going to do that. If one rider's positive, we're going to remove them or get them, you know, health, make sure that that's a, an indication properly done. Uh, but we're not going to do the two strikes and, and I don't think the Italian government is coming down on them. So it was um, it's some hope there. Anyway, back to the Giro Rosa, which is the women's tour of Italy, a nine day stage race going on. I think there are five or so stages in uh, the biggest stage race on the women's calendar. And it just happens to coincide with the biggest stage race on the men's calendar. Scheduling anyone is this a, it, this happens every year and I come on here and I complain about it a little bit about it because I think it they have amazing racing for the women now they did some gravel ride the other road the other day where the Van Luton and some of these other women they were getting off their bikes I think the woman woman that won the stage I think it was Anamique she won the stage and she also had to push her bike on the gravel now it's a little extreme but there's some exciting racing going on over there and we're probably one well, one i don't even know if it's being broadcast if you look on steephill.tv i think you can rebroadcast some of that that is going along so you might be able to see some of that it might be uh, geo restricted for your location but uh, at least check that out um i'm definitely gonna and i do this every year i go back and review the tour uh the giro rosa after the tour because i just don't have time to be following it in that extent and it's some of the best racing you have once again why are you packing the best women's race? And I know it's a COVID year. And so you can say, oh, it's COVID. And we're trying to shove all these things in. It happens every year during the Tour de France. You get the best women's race at the same time. And it's a shame. Um, so I usually enjoy it and we'll rewatch it uh, at a later date. So maybe, maybe scheduling can help. You know, talk about women and you're like, oh, we'd like to have more, you know, at the tour. And we'd like to have the women racing this and this. Okay. Best race of the year, and it's clouded with the with the men's race. If you do want to hear some coverage, though, so this is one aspect that you can do. And Cycling Tips on their podcast is at least doing it right there. Report you're you're tuning in to their podcast every day to hear about the Tour de France, and then they're throwing in snippets about the Giro Rosa. So kudos to them. I just don't have the time, energy, or ability to uh, multitask to that extent. Otherwise, otherwise I may do it. How about some things that make you go, hmm, well, I, I mentioned early on, I said, what would, uh, Sagan has taken on the motto, what would Lance do, okay? Uh, what would Lance do? Well, he would sell product. If you've ever watched, watched or listened to his, his move, it is about a 30 minute show of which maybe 15, 20 of that is actual um, bike race conversation. Uh, you tune in immediately they have a little snip of kind of 30 seconds of what the show is going to be you know so a quip uh in the break-in and then they have you you can just write skip to anywhere between five and a half to seven minutes in and you're done with him uh, hawking his products and you can go on well peter sagan 
he is, let me just say, well, he's fallen in the footsteps and the heels by hawking his uh, a Euro commemorative gold medal to celebrate his three world champion victories. He's selling a hundred of them engraved with his face and each costing uh, almost 18,000 euros engraved with his face. How cute. Um, gold medals are all numbered and come in with the certificate to celebrate each world victory in Sagan's Palmares after he won three consecutive rainbow jerseys 2015 to 2017. In an Instagram post, Sagan said, Dear all, love his writing. I would like to present, do I do it in his accent, to present my limited commemorative issue of golden medals in a number of 100 pieces created to celebrate the three master titles, Richmond, Doha, and Bergen. Sagan recently had a child and got divorced. This is now not him. This is me. Uh, he recently got a child and got divorced, and you know maybe he's looking for a way to make money. Just some family law um, advice coming at you here real quick. Um, typically, money that is for support obligations is any way derived, okay? So you still have to report this. You still have to use it in the calculation for child support and spousal support. So just saying, even though you're getting money here, it's not a way to, you're still obligated to report income and you're still subjected to your child and spouse support as a result. So in, in case this is a way that you're trying to get around that, I'm just throwing that out there. Just that's uh, that's all we're doing here. Okay, coming up, stage 17, Grenoble, Mirabel to Col de Los, 170 kilometers. This is the one uh, I should post and we'll probably play some of this tomorrow. Uh, Mike, uh, say, dude, Mike, I'm sorry, I've just been really busy been hard to get all this production out uh tack it's got a hc and hc ended up the cold de Lowe's, which is going to be a long ass climb stage 18 um is la roche to sur ferron 175 kilometers it's got a one a three a two a one and one and then a hump and a downhill finish stage 19 rolling cat three in a sprint and then stage 20 individual time trial from 300 meters height to 1200 meters up there up the Planche de Belfi at stage 21. Let's hear what Jonathan Scriven has to say about stage 17 coming up. What we have there at stage 17. Yeah. Uh, 17, as you can see from the profile, is basically the Col de Madeleine. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what that's the famous Col. Yeah. So we come out of uh, Grenoble here. And again, we're getting into sort of area that's uh, known for Olympics. This time it's Alberville. Okay. So we're, right. we're heading. I, I make was sure that I have 92? This right what was that? When 92, okay. correct, Alberville. So Grenoble and Alberville are only about 45 minutes apart. And then once you get sort of out of Grenoble, yeah, you, you'll get to on your way to Alberville, and then you turn south. And the region here, and I, I have it here, as I said, it's the Col de Madeleine and it's the Meribel. And um, for those of you, for those of your listeners or watchers who are into skiing, the big ski resort here is called Courchevel, which is quite a, right. it's like one of the biggest ski resorts in Europe. And these are all the little uh, mountains here. So I'll move on to the next stage because the next stage is brutal. Brutal is what he said. So um, we'll, we'll talk about that coming up tomorrow uh, after we recap stage 17. And any predictions? Cold de Lowe's? I mean, I, I think you got Pogacar. You've got, um, you know, Lopez looked pretty spry today on the finish. So Lopez, uh, Indurain, I'm sorry, Indurain. Uh, Iran is not quite <clears throat> as punchy as Lopez, but he'd been able to grind it out in that last climb. Uh, they started around 142K and they finish at 171. So 30K of, uh, and it's even before that, it kind of starts pitching uphill. I and mean, the, the real big stuff comes around close to 150. So 20, 20 plus K uphill, uh, 8.5 average and 7.2 average for the last 6.3K. 
wow. So that's going to be a ball, a ball buster. And uh, Rigoberto Uran, I think, would, would do just fine up there. I don't think he's going to be in position to win. I think you're going to see uh, Port. I think you're going to see the top three really hanging together. Uh, there could be an outside, an outlier. I don't know. I mean, they got an HC before that. It's a good springboard for a, a group to get away at that point. You're going to see a little bit of a sprint showdown, uh, probably nullify those two guys, uh, Bennett, um, Mateo, Trenton, and uh, Sagan, those three guys, and then the big uh, the big climbs. So uh, right of the day, though, I'm giving it to uh, Bora Hansgrohe, Richard Kamna. I think he's 24. It's a little obvious pick. But uh, at his age and what he's tried to already do this tour, um, you know, it's, it's a big win. He was barely second to Danny Martinez on stage 13 of the Poi Marie. He did a big move uh, the other day when um, Soren Carl Anderson won. So was at stage 14? And uh, he's been doing a lot of work in the, in the break, you know, like I said, with Shockman and Danny Martinez the other day. So uh, kudos to him. Big time win for Bora. And I, th- I think that he... He's got, I think he's got a lot going for him. You didn't really hear much about him prior to this, but he won a stage in the Dauphiné, and I think he he's really got he's got a good future coming up. But hey, anyway, everybody, I appreciate you joining us today. Look, just hit subscribe when you get a chance. Maybe do a little review here for us. Say hey, I like this show. It keeps me uh, protected from COVID. Appreciate the thumbs up from anywhere. Um, what is this? This is a bike ride bike racing pro program is what we do <laughs> okay thanks everybody for joining us today uh, we'll see you tomorrow for the next few stages tour de france keep it up